Hey everybody, welcome to another Bookmore show. It's Stuart here and today we have the pleasure of being joined by Betsy Vaughan. Betsy, how are you doing? I'm great, Stuart. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you. Um, so Betsy, as some of you will know, is our chief client concierge here at 90 Minute Books. She looks after all of the uh, client requests as they come in initially, deals with a lot of people's questions before they come on board. And then the behind the scenes work which a lot of people don't appreciate but it really keeps the wheels moving is being the kind of customer advocate back here behind the scenes so making sure that we're on target to hit deadlines checking with people if they've got any events or things coming up uh, making sure that we've got all of the pieces to really support production and design so today we're going to talk about people asking how to market their book Yes. So that's probably one of the biggest questions that I get asked towards the end of the process is, how do I market this book? Where do I go next? Um, the book book looks good. We're ready to use it. Now what do I do with it? I think it's a interesting question because so often the actual execution of, of any task, whether it's writing a book or or doing any other piece within the business a lot of effort goes into the actual doing that it's sometimes easy to forget about the context of why you do it and how you should use it and then oftentimes things will take a lot of effort to actually get done that you forget about the that's only the first part of the puzzle really the benefits come from using it and and getting some business from it afterwards absolutely yeah so give us some of your ideas on what we should do what we should tell our clients on how to market their book, which direction to take it in. I just got off the phone with Kevin earlier on today. We were talking about the context of how he could use his book. What really came to light in that conversation is the existing opportunity that you've got already to kind of leverage some of the work that you've done by kind of amplifying your message with a book and then the opportunity of attracting a new audience that you might not have had before. So for people coming into this process, again, whether you're working with us directly or whether you're doing this by yourself, think about the end game in terms of those two groups. There's leveraging, amplifying what you've already got and then there's attracting a brand new audience that you may not have had opportunity to work with before if people haven't downloaded the breakthrough dna book which we often talk about um, if you head over to breakthroughdna.com and there's a opt-in there where you can download the book the framework the eight profit activated framework runs through everything we do so there's a concept there about identifying invisible leads or identifying leads first and then secondarily, following up with them and over time, patiently educating and motivating them to take the next step. And I think people's books fall somewhere in either one of those two camps or in mm-hmm. the middle. So identifying the prospects first, we've often talked about that. There's a couple of previous shows that people have probably listened to. If not, head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast for the archive. There's a couple of book of podcasts in there about making invisible leads visible. So I'll touch on a couple of specific examples shortly, but I just wanted to elaborate slightly on this second option of the kind of educating and motivating people you've perhaps already got a relationship with to take the next step or to take an action. So this is less about going out to maybe Facebook ads or AdWords or running print ads. 
It's less about identifying brand new people. But for a lot of businesses, particularly if you've been in business for any amount of time, you've already got a list of people who have previously expressed an interest in a product or service but not converted. Perhaps you've got a big list of previous clients who haven't necessarily done anything. The opportunity to re-engage those people and offer them the book that you've written as a way of starting the conversation again is an opportunity that's often overlooked because it's not necessarily the first one that springs to mind. So we were talking about running some educational events. He'd already identified a large number of people who hadn't necessarily previously converted. So reaching out to those guys again, reaching out to an existing list with a new offer, with something that is broadly on topic because they've already expressed an interest in a similar subject, if not specifically that very same subject. You've got an opportunity to kind of re-engage and make the offer of something new, give them something of value, rather than just sending them a blanket kind of every six months email saying, we've got an offer on, come and do some business with us. So I think that context of using it as a re-engagement piece, using it to start a conversation again with an existing list, with some people who know you already, is as interesting and perhaps in some cases even a bigger opportunity than just using it as purely generation at the top of the funnel going to a brand new list. Right. I'm just lost my training. I think today is going to be one of those days where I talk a little bit too much because my voice is already getting a little bit croaky. <laughs> no, that's Okay. You're giving us good stuff, good information out there. Um, you mentioned um, you were, talk- were talking about working with um, current clients, people, you know, you've got this book and you, you, you know how to re-engage them, we can do that. But I get a lot of, you know, on our end of the business, we're looking for brand new business. We're looking for, you know, to build our business more. So they've captured their, their current clients and I know they're interested you know, in in the book, but going looking for completely new clients. Um, you know, some people want to use social media. You know, strictly some want to do email blasts. What is your recommendation on um, people who are really looking to capture that new business? Because ultimately, that's what they're. You know, they have those those clients, and they can re-engage them and maybe just remind them that they're there. But um, as far as, as new new clients, what would you what would you say? Where would you head with that? Yeah, you know, it's interesting, isn't it? And I think there's a couple of studies around. I should find the, um, I'll try and find the link for the show notes, although I'm usually pretty bad at following through on that, but I'll, I'll try and remember to do it this time. The, um, there was a, I think it was a Harvard study talking about it's seven times more uh, more likely or more successful or easier to engage or convert existing customers than it is to find brand new customers. But so many people just think about new people new people new people not wanting to kind of beat the same point to death but i'd really suggest that people unless they've got zero list whatsoever or they've been really hammering an existing list and it's it's really exhausted then even for people who come to us and are starting to are having conversations around wanting to find brand new leads i'd really strongly suggest to them that they look at the re-engagement opportunity of existing people just because it's closer to the money these are people who have already raised Mm -hmm. their hand as interested if you need to go out which i will i will get to now because it's it's a perfectly valid question but if you need to go out and run um 
CPM type ads where you're paying for visibility rather than paying for clicks, you're targeting, you're having to target target a brand new audience of people you don't necessarily know. And there's such a high degree of wastage there to find the people who are interested versus a list of people who have already raised their hand as interested for, for one reason or another. Um, now, having said that, people may not have been collecting leads previously, or they might be relatively new in business, or they might have exhausted their existing list already because they've been mailing to them quite often anyway. So finding new people, businesses still at the end of the day need brand new business. So it is a valid question. Again, just to make the point that if you've got anything like an existing list, maybe not even customers, but lists of people who've expressed interest but not converted, that's a, that's a prime target of um, of customers just waiting to have an opportunity to re-engage with you. So anyway, to get on to your actual question, which uh, mm-hmm. is perfectly yeah, valid, uh, <laughs> um, how to engage a brand new audience. So I think there's a couple of things that spring to mind. It basically comes down to advertising in areas where you think your target audience are likely to be or finding opportunities to be in the areas where you think your customers are likely to be. So that's going to be more like joint ventures with other similar organisations, basically opportunities to be in front of the crowd without necessarily paying for it. The advertising option really comes down to, like you mentioned, social media, so Facebook ads. Some people were talking recently about Instagram ads. Snapchat actually has just started an advertising platform as well. All of these areas of pain to get in front of eyeballs, it's a generally similar technology. It's usually sort of like a cost per click type technology where you put an ad in front of people and then when they click on it, you get charged. But the thing that people should remember and this is really stealing straight from gary vaynerchuk's book that he's been i've heard him talk a lot about recently is context so the context in which people see your ad is important as a a measurement of engagement or not so much how you word the ad or contextualize the ad but what they're likely to do on the back of it so something like google adwords versus facebook those two are pretty much the biggest platforms in their individual areas. They're the easiest for most people to visualize because some most people have got some awareness of it. So something like Google Ads is a search-based intent-driven search. So most people in that area are looking for, um, they're typing in a particular problem or a particular search and then an ad will come back. Facebook, on the other hand, is a more passive, transient scenario people are rarely going out and searching for things on facebook though it does happen but most of the time the answer that you see will just be passing by when you're just um looking through the the wall of posts that are going by um in like a day-to-day browsing similar with snapchat and similar with instagram all of those platforms they're less intent driven and more you've got the opportunity to demographically or interest-based target them. So the important thing for people to remember there is that the nature of the ad, the thing that you're offering them, needs to be received in a slightly different way. So AdWords, a search-based search, can be very specific to a particular need or want or desire. So let's say your book is on financial planning. The financial planning subject that you might have is retirement or um, 
Medicare planning or uh, investment portfolio planning, those generic areas underneath that, there'll be some specific questions that people have in mind. So you can run a suite of ads to target those individual questions. So a book on retirement, now we tend to suggest people write a relatively specific book addressing one particular question quite deep. But if you've got a book that's addressing retirement subjects, even if it's relatively tailored, there are words and questions and concerns that someone's going to have. There'll be four or five of those at least that are relevant to even a relatively tailored book. And you can run individual ads targeting each of those individual phrases. So let's say you write a book on buying an annuity. I think annuity is a UK word. What um, When you retire there and you kind of uh, take out your 401k, do you have to buy a different financial product that actually gives you the income? I'm not there yet. Um, <laughs> what did you call it? Uh, an annuity. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah the same thing exists. Right, right. Yes, yes. I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you said. I spend too much time for, uh, in between the two countries and I forget which is which. Right. So let's say the, the retirement. So I'll try and use the right language, but don't worry about too much if it's the wrong one. Yeah. So let's right. say you're 401k, you're coming up to retirement. You need to buy a product that will deliver you the income or you're going to take a certain amount out as cash, as a drawdown from that account. So those Correct. questions, a book around your approach in retirement. So one of the early books that we did was What to Do at 62, which was a retirement planning book because people get into that particular point. There were some decisions that they had to make um, that would impact their retirement at later life. So even a relatively targeted book, targeting not a people retirement planning 30 years out, but people retirement planning at the point of uh, coming to kind of crystallize their their policy, there's three or four different issues all related to that. So how much drawdown should I take? Should I leave it in? Should I start claiming social security straight away or should I defer that? Uh, what type of annuity product should I get? Even with a relatively specific book, you, there's still four or five intent-based problems that you could address and having an ad addressing each of those individually rather than just the generic get the retirement book is going to be more successful all other things being equal because you're addressing that individual need so in a search-based environment in an adwords-based environment you can target those particular wants and desires because people are actually type or concerns and desires because people are actually typing them in unlike in a social media type channel or even a print advert where you can demographically target people. So Facebook, for example, you can highlight age, gender, region, economic status, other pages that they've liked, so interests. And in a print world, for example, you could choose to print the your advert in a financial magazine or a local... Um, homeowners association magazine or a golf magazine so you can still get some of that demographic targeting but you can't necessarily be as specific as um, just targeting someone that's got a concern about the buying the annuity versus the amount of drawdown that they want to take so you need to advertise to those people in a slightly different uh, a different context of the questions they might be asking and then a layer on top of that as well in the Facebook sense, for example, where it's just a stream of information going past, people aren't necessarily there to be 
advertised to don't obviously it happens a lot so the nature in which you need to structure your ad is slightly different so it needs to be more accessible more friendly more drawing people towards something that they might be interested or might be entertained by rather than just a direct ad trying to cut straight to the chase so that's a lot of words there again it's difficult to go into um it's difficult to give enough details that people can kind of grab hold of and do something with versus we could be here three hours later and still going into all of the caveats and specifics but i think the main thing to bear in mind is that context difference and the opportunity that you've got to leverage the one asset that the first book that you write you can leverage that in a number of different ways even though we suggest writing a book that's really quite specific and we often get people coming in and wanting to write the kind of uh, the, the manual that covers everything and then we have the conversation about dialing it in specifically answering one question as deep and comprehensively as possible but narrow but deep rather than broad and shallow is the way to go but even having written that book there's still the opportunity to market it in a number of different ways so in a search-based environment vary the language slightly to be as specific as possible right because remember the job of work of the ad and we talk about jobs of work quite a bit and really breaking down each individual stage and understanding it's like a it, it's part of a process it's not just a one thing and all of the everything is solved so the job of the ad is to get someone interested enough to click on the button that takes them to the next page or if it's kind of directly in front of them in a print magazine it needs to be interesting enough so that they type in the url the next page then all that needs to be is compelling enough so that they fill in their name and address details. And I spoke about this with Dean on the show a couple of weeks ago, where we were saying, really, it's just allowing them to complete the thought that they've already had. They've had a thought that something's interesting and they want the answer. The next page, the opt-in page, should really just be that. It should just be the same information. If people go to uh, 90minutebook.com, the kind of... Um, the opt-in page that we have for the 90-minute book, then you'll see that ad copy is almost identical to some of the ad copy that we run in some of the social ads. Um, if you go to Email Mastery, mm-hmm. then the Email Mastery ad that we ran in Success Magazine looks almost identical to the landing page. The landing page is only there to allow them to enter the details and complete the thought that they've already had any additional information, any new information, and you run the risk of um, dissuading people because they'll follow through to that page and then think, oh, actually, this new information, I've realised this isn't quite what I want, and then they won't complete the thought. So each of those little stages, in fact, I'll put the Success Magazine ad example, I'll put that in the show notes. So if people head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast and it will be the the first in the feed this week i'll put that success magazine example in there right. because it really is that example of here's an here's an ad that 
Um, actually, we should probably talk briefly about that as well before we run out of time, because that was a different approach again, which was quite interesting. But as far as the kind of the ad itself goes, here's an ad that offers email mastery as a book that people can, can request to, that talks about email. The landing page then is identical it's just exactly the same text just with the place that they can put their name and address details it really is not adding any additional information so (laughs) on jumping uh to another one which is slightly different again then so we've talked so far about um search intent being slightly different from social intent and the fact that even if you've got one book you can still tailor the language so that it's it's interesting to people the success magazine ad that we did for email Mm -hmm. mastery that was um editorial slash advertorial a one-page ad in the magazine that looked as if it was editorial it really gave some value uh it was pretty short i mean there's probably only 300 words in the Right. The article, if that, but even so, in that space, it still gave them one useful technique. And then it says, if you want to find out about more techniques, then go and get the, get a copy of the book. And that was phenomenally successful. Um, again, starting off by giving value builds that reciprocity. There's a no commitment or a very low commitment way for people to find out more. And the opt in rate was pretty astounding on that page. Um, the job going back to jobs of work the job of work of the ad is to catch their attention enough so that they think this is something that i want the job of work of the landing page is just to give them an opportunity to fill in the name and email address details and the job of work of of the funnel of the ad and the book combined is to create a sense of reciprocity give something of value and then start a conversation which is relevant to the outcome that you want. And obviously knowing what that outcome is before you start means that you can orchestrate the funnel to with that outcome in mind rather than I just want to write something and then magically some people will come to me and something will happen. Orchestrating it at each stage is is going to lead to a much more successful outcome. We're talking about advertising and spending the money and the clicks on, you know, the clicks and the searches and stuff and, and the money there. But what about the person who is on a low budget or very limited budget, and but they still are looking to build that business? Um, do you have some recommendations on how to go about doing that at a very low cost or maybe gas, no cost? <laughs> Shocking. <laughs> the... Um... The thing with because everybody, I mean, I, that, that's one of the things I hear. Oh, I've written this book, and and you know now I, I don't have a lot of resources. You know, because if it's a brand new business, there may not be you know financial. There may be maybe strapped, and so um, you know. And plus, everybody wants something for free. Yeah. I mean, you know, we is always so. Any recommendations you can give? Yeah, to definitely. And I think so. At the end of the day, things either take time or cost money. And there's an element of expertise that can kind of leverage both of those. But at the end of the day, time and money are the two resources that get stuff done. So if you come saying that you've got neither of those, well, that's not how the world works. If you haven't got one of those, then you have to uh, contribute the other. But the great thing is that a lot of people are way more inclined to give up money than they are time. So if you do have time but don't have money, Mm. you can really do a lot of things that other people just aren't willing to do because at the end of the day, a lot of people are lazy and just want to throw money at a problem and hope that fixes it. Only having time means you need to be a little bit more creative. 
one of the best things I think people can do in this respect is start thinking about other people and what you can do for them. So we had the example a couple of shows ago, we were talking about James St. Clair and the Dogs Don't Cry book and leveraging other veterinarians to effectively get a book that ultimately talked about dog nutrition supplements out to those people. Um, I really, I keep saying that I need to check in with James and see that he is, that is still the approach he's using soon as I keep using it as the example, but it's such a good example. I don't want to hear that he's changed and is doing something else because I keep, <laughs> I want to keep using <laughs> right. it. So imagine that you were a, um, Oh, so let's take Shockwave. So Shockwave, uh, for people that don't know, is a um, is a, I'm going to immediately trip up on the details here, but it's a non-invasive medical procedure that uses Shockwave therapy to address a typically a tendon problem. So let's say you've got an Achilles tendinopathy, your Achilles is hurting. It might be a buildup or an inflammation on the tendon itself. And shockwave can be a way of uh, reducing that because it, it uh, kind of breaks down the, the cells or the tearing at the site in a non-surgical way or a non-invasive way. And for some people, it can be an alternative to surgery. So we're just writing a book at the moment with Paul Morrissey, who's an osteopath over here in the UK, a really uh, quite a thought leader in the uh, in the shockwave community. He's been doing it for a lot longer than than most other people, and really, it's just starting to get a lot of traction here. But the problem is that not that many people are aware of it, and if they are aware of it, because it's not done through the, it's not always done through the National Health Service here, sometimes it can be a problem for people finding out about it. So he can do all of the Facebook stuff and the AdWords stuff and all of that regular stuff with money, but the thing that he can also do with time is have the book and give the book to other practitioners in the area, again, complementary non-competing, who don't offer that as a service, but who have patients who would be um, prime candidates for it, and it would actually get them out of a lot of pain. It might resolve problems that have been around for a a long time, but they don't necessarily have a way of doing it or knowing about it. So Paul giving that book to them, so it might be a physiotherapist in the area, it might be another osteopath or a a general practitioner, or it might be golf clubs or fitness professionals, all of these complementary but non-competing businesses. Paul can give that book to them and say to those guys, I know you've got some... um, your clients, you want the best for your clients. There's, uh, there's this book that you can give to them, which will give them value. It gives them some tips and pointers to kind of avoid surgery in the first place. And then if they decide that it's serious enough so that they need it, then, uh, shockwave might be the answer to them. So here's something that you can give them and offer value to them. I think we used an example in the show the week before last, um, I forget when it was. Oh, last, sorry, it was last week. So I was talking about a because as I was recording the Q and A shows, uh, I was actually sat at Paul's. It was when we were recording the book. So I was sat in his office, looking out over his uh, nicely manicured lawn, and there was a uh, statue <laughs> in the uh, statue in the garden. So if you were a statue manufacturer, or water feature manufacturer, or maybe a swimming pool manufacturer 
using landscapers or architects as a complementary non-competing business, you could write a book that talked about how to, how to get the most out of your yard all season long as a guide to some yard design, give it to those comp- uh, complementary non-competing businesses as a value add for them. And then because it's the, there's a, an overlap in the audience, those people are naturally going to be not too far away from your target audience. So by leveraging other relationships, think about what you can do for them. As long as it's complementary and non-competing, then there's a great opportunity for you to make them look good by allowing them to deliver more value to their customers. And really, it's kind of like this Trojan horse effect of the Trojan horse, the gift that you're given them is a book that's got some knowledge, it's got some useful insights in it. But the kind of the hidden element inside is the fact that you've got a sales message in there that compels people in a in a non um in a classy way, <laughs> uh, don't throw it in their face too much, mm-hmm. but in a classy way, he says to them, oh, and by the way, if you want this, then here's uh, here's an option to to kind of find out some more information. Now, some of that we're coming up on, on time, as is often the case, but we should cover this in a future show. But some of it might be needing to manipulate the message in the book a little bit so it's less direct. Again, think about how the audience is receiving the book and albeit you don't want to tailor one individual book to one person, but there might be two or three big groups of people who will receive it in different ways. And in that case, it might be worthwhile having variations of the book that go into those different audiences um, because it serves a slightly different need. But I think for anyone that doesn't have, uh, doesn't have cash lying ground to, to throw at a problem to try and fix it, thinking about how you can add value to someone else and really um, leverage this kind of complementary model is is a great place to start. I mean, some of the other, just quickly before we wrap up, some of the other things would be maybe finding out if one of those other organisations, again, where there's an audience crossover, if they can't do it. So we've had a couple of people who have written books where they're basically interviewing other people, other complementary people in their business. So... Chris Hill wrote a book called Engaged, which is uh, is a good example. So Chris runs a, a luxury voluntourism business. So they help um, relatively high net worth families or people who want to spend a, a decent amount on a vacation, but who want to get a voluntourism element. So you hear quite a lot about, uh, there was an article in... Uh, on one of the news sites the other day about, uh, I think it was a VC or company directors talking about kicking their kids out of the nest when they're 16 and, and telling them to go off and volunteer for the summer just so they get some grounding type effect. So Chris's company doesn't, isn't quite that harsh with the kids, but they'll go away on vacation. <laughs> right. Yeah, they don't. Nobody told me that was an answer. <laughs> I think it used to be called military school, but the things have changed. Uh, right, there you go. <laughs> so Chris's company will, uh, whilst you've got a volunteering opportunity, so it might be doing some conservation work or some teaching or building a school or installing generators, an element of conservation. But on the downtime when you're not doing that, 
it's uh you can stay in five star accommodation and and still have a nice vacation around the the kind of local giving part so the book that chris wrote was actually with a company um called um i forgot what the company's name was but he wrote the book with peter that talked about how that company uses volunteering as part of their rewards program so rather than taking the team to vegas to drink for the week they take them away for a week and there's a big community building element of it there's still a luxury element around it but it builds the company culture a lot more significantly than just a regular trip would be so by leveraging that relationship by making someone else look good by giving someone else the opportunity to say look at how good our company is by doing this volunteerism thing he's enabled to share that book with other peers in the group um, in the industry rather and almost evidence by the fact that he's got the book on the other company talking about how good they are evidence his solution his uh, hands-up incentives company benefits um, making them look good and uh, and being there to kind of follow up and add support to the message that's coming across. Right. Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. We are. We've blown past thirty minutes. This one went um, quite quick. Right. We'll uh, we'll have to get you back on again. I would love to. There's some great great stuff there. So. audience will enjoy it fantastic i think there's something that people can use and run with so again thanks for thanks for your time Uh, everyone who comes through the system will get to speak to betsy at some point if anyone's got any questions for the podcast just shoot us a message at podcast at 90 minute books and we'll take it from here if anyone's ready to get started on the book themselves just shoot us a message out to hello at 90 minute books and betsy or susan will pick that up and get back to you straight away there's um We've got some exciting books coming down the track at the moment, so I'm looking forward to the opportunity to talk about those in uh, in a month or two's time and share some more stories with people. Absolutely. Fantastic. Great. Thanks, Stuart. Thanks, Betsy. Speak soon. Bye-bye.